Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamualaikum. Hi guys, my name is Nurun and welcome to another episode of Learn Islam Podcast. So this podcast is where you'll find information, discussions and enlightenment that will hopefully widen and deepen your knowledge of Islam insyaAllah. So for this episode, we'll be talking about Prophet Muhammad SAW's wife, uh, Sayyidatina Aisyah radiyallahu anha, on overcoming difficult moments in her life. Let's listen to Ustazah Nurhana Irwan. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Um, good evening. I am very nervous right now because I saw Liana and she's always a natural, you know, and she always tells jokes and I always get stressed over the fact that she tells jokes because I feel pressured to also tell jokes and make you all laugh. So laugh now. <laughs> Very good. I met my quota for the day already. Okay, so um, I just wanted to say that, you know, when, when Liana first opened the session and she was thanking, you know, the organizer, you know, for, for, for inviting her, I was like, I want to do the exact opposite, right? I want to not thank them <laughs> for inviting me. And I'm very angry at them. You know why? Because they gave me quite a difficult topic. They gave Liana such a very like, oh, you know, talk about the breaking boundaries and all that. I say, I want to do that, right? And then they came, talk about the difficulties that she faced, you know, and and what we can learn from them. So I was very upset with them. I'm very upset with you. I can say that because they are my colleagues, okay? But, but, but I mean, I mean, in all honesty and in all seriousness, I, I do understand where they are coming from and I, I agree with them, right? A lot of times, the portrayal of religious figures, especially even companions, even the wives of the prophet, are always romanticized to such a point that we see them as infallible. But we know that infallibility belongs only to the Prophet right? And because of this romanticized idea of what prophet, I mean, uh, companions and the wives of the prophet should be, we we start to doubt whenever someone says, hey, actually there were things that happened during her lifetime, blah, 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 blah. And then they started listing down and they're like, oh, maybe she doesn't, de- she's not deserving of the title that she's holding and things like that. But that is obviously opposite from the truth, right? Because the fact is, everyone is entitled to make mistakes, Right? But they need to acknowledge the mistake and they need to move on. And whatever mistakes that she has done, it should not in any way discredit the many good positive traits that she has. Right? Whatever that Salzaliana has listed, and inshallah I will be listing um, on in my presentation. Okay, so okay lah, thank you, Adil, for inviting me. <laughs> Alright. Moving on. Bismillah. Okay, so the first incident that I think I want to share with you, and I think this is a very um it's it's a point of learning because there's so many lessons that we can learn from this particular incident. I, I don't know. I think most of you would have heard of this incident. But um, please indulge me. I, 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 I do want to kind of just briefly mention about um, this particular incident for those who might not have heard of it. So it's it's the Hadithul Ifq, the, the, the event of the slender, fitna. Basically, right? So, what is what is this particular um, incident about? So, it was during the time when the Prophet was uh, fighting a battle, right? So, uh, Aisha radiallahu anha was part of the entourage that, that followed the Prophet during the battle, okay? So, she was seated in a in a carriage, um, you know, she, in, in, in a covered 
uh, sedan is it they call it like a you know what I mean like on, on top of a camel so and then they stopped to rest and then she decided to go down and relieve herself lah answer mother nature's call right so when she went down she so she she of course she had to find somewhere where it's secluded and then to relieve herself and then after that she went up and then she realised eh I lost my necklace she said so she went back went back to look for her necklace but unbeknownst to her the 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 entourage left without her because they didn't know they didn't know that she wasn't inside so they went on without her so when she came back she was like eh everyone has left right so she she didn't panic okay because she's she's brave and all so she said okay i was i was like okay i'll just sit here and wait for people to come and pick me so while she was waiting she fell asleep and then suddenly there was a sahaba uh, a, a, a companion by the name of sahwan he he acted like the the last man for for the for the troop so he would he would be the one like um picking up things that they left behind kind of thing so when he was walking he saw saida aisha and he knew her because he has seen her before before the the, the revelation on on veiling and so he said inna lillahi wa inna ilaihi rajiun he said that right and then when she heard that she she woke up right and they did not say anything he just uh, he just made the the camel uh, kneel down and she went up and that's it and then she he sent her back okay so when he sent her back people saw right Oh, no, they did not know whatever the reaction, but basically, you get the gist what's coming out, right? Because I was so fun, and I said, Why? What happened? Right? And then what happened? They started to say things. We all know our people. We like to like, we are very imaginative, right? And then we started to imagine, and then we decided to like tell people about these wild imaginations of ours, right? So, what started to go around that they were having an affair, a scandal so to speak, okay? And Aisha, at that point, she fell sick, so she didn't know anything about it. So she was sick, so she was at home, and, and she was, you know, she didn't listen to all this news. But she said what she she did notice was the Prophet Wasallam acting a bit different. Because usually when, when she was sick, the, the, the Prophet, mashallah, we know he's such a loving husband, right? He would be very attentive to her, you know, ask her if she's okay and all that. But she said that this time around, he would just like ask her and in a very in a in a cold manner like we know it's it's different you know like when you know, the manner that he would always be very loving and all that this one is she, she said he was asking through as if through gestures you know like mm, mm, i don't know like how lah but like basically through gestures right not not the same care that he normally does. so she was wondering what was happening so then she said can i be sent back to my parents house Okay, imagine she was sick. She was really, really sick. And she was feeling sad about it. So she went back to her parents' house and they started telling her. So she said, what happened? And she, they told her about this thing. So she was very upset. And she said she cried for two nights and a day. Continue crying, right? Because in a way, she felt like everyone was already... The, the, the news was spreading like wildfire, you know? And she was like, everyone believes in that news, even the prophet. Because she knew he was affected, which explained the difference in the way that he started treating her. So she was like, so she was, she was crying for, for two days. So after that, the Prophet Wasallam came to see her. And in a way, I mean, to, he, he told her to, to confess if she was in the wrong. Say, did you do it? If you do it, you must confess. If you don't, then you Then she said, when I heard that, my tears that were flowing for two and a half days suddenly just stopped. And she said that I will not confess because I did not do wrong and I will sleep knowing that God will attest to my innocence. So she slept. Okay. And true enough, 
right? The revelation was revealed in Surah An-Nur. It was revealed of her innocence, right? The, basically, it was you know it was a it was a confirmation of her innocence from God Himself, right? Which which was why she said I think Sazaliana mentioned earlier she did not she wasn't expecting it in a sense she wasn't expecting that uh, God would like attest for her innocence to the to the to the point of actually uh, revealing her innocence in the Quran through the Quran. So. so what is really and then it was interesting when then the parents said go and thank the prophet now that you have been proven of your innocence go and thank the prophet and what did she say no i won't thank the prophet i will thank allah for it was him who proved my innocence right i mean because i thought not to thank you god prophet no but like no but what she what she's saying is even the prophet you know wouldn't know hal ghaib and you know Sufficient is Allah. Right? Sufficient is Allah. Allah knows and Allah knows whatever that I do and Allah is my wali. Allah is my protector. Right? So, the first thing that I think we, we, we can learn from the lesson is number one, how confident she is of her innocence because, because she knew she was innocent. Right? And she didn't waver for me. Maybe, Maybe I was wrong. What happened? You know what I mean? She was, she, was, she was very firm. She did not want to admit. She said, I would not confess to a sin that I did not do. Okay, what allowed her such confidence? What allowed her such courage? Number one, because she had a clear conscience. Right? She knew she did not do anything. Right? And I think this is the important lesson that we know. If we want to lead life confidently, right, without any doubts without any regrets we must make sure that in whatever that we do we are mindful of god we knew that whatever we do we we observe his commands you know we do not do things that would later cause ourselves we ourselves to be like hey, was it wrong or was it not wrong okay she had that confidence because she was mindful of allah and she knew that she did she did not do anything wrong okay number two stand up for the truth if you are innocent Say you are innocent, right? You don't pretend that you're Nabi Yusuf. You know what I mean? Like the prison is better for me or whatever. Because the, the Nabi Yusuf said that, correct? Because you know of the, the story of Nabi Yusuf, he was he was uh, slandered and he he chose imprisonment, right, over fighting for his. That was in a context where it was a corrupt system. And the one who slandered him was Amir, the, 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 the prime minister, the leader at that point of time. So he knew there was, no, it was a corrupt system, corrupt leader, no point fighting justice, for fighting for justice. So lebih baik masuk prison, you know, better in prison for me than, than, than to go out. But for Aisha, she knew it wasn't, it wasn't, that wasn't her context. So what I'm saying is, if ever, Nauzbillah, if ever we were caught in a situation where we are driven to a corner where we are told to say things that did not happen, to confess to things that did not happen, stand up for your rights. Okay, stand up for the truth. Do not confess about things that you did not do. Don't, don't allow others to put things into your head and then start, yeah, maybe I did. Don't. Okay, stand up for your truth. Okay? Number three, she had complete faith in God. Right? So, that is nothing. So she said that, okay, even if the Prophet ﷺ himself did not trust me, did not believe in me, I know that God will prove, will prove my innocence one day. 
right? Okay, this is this is this reminds me of this hadith by um, Abdullah ibn Abbas. Okay, he said that um, he was advised by the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and it's a very beautiful advice, and I want to share it with you. It says, "Young men, I will teach you some words. Be mindful of Allah, and He will take care of you. Be mindful of Him, and you shall find Him at your side. If you ask, ask of Allah. If you need help." Seek it from Allah. Okay? If the world were together in order to help you, they would not be able to help you if Allah had written so. And if the world were together in order to harm you, they would not harm you except if Allah had written so. So, I think it's it's very inspiring to know that even in the darkest moments of our lives, even if we feel that everyone else is turning against us, no one believes us. And say, oh, I want to die right now. It's common, right? People feel that much and there's no way out. No one believes in me. No one trusts me and all that. We need to know that Allah is always there. Okay? While the road may be long, but inshallah, if we, are clear, we have clear conscience, we know that we do not do whatever that, you know, they said we were doing, and we have complete faith in God, then do believe that your faith in Him will not be ignored. Okay, there will be reward. There will be a way out. Okay, Allah has said that whatever, when, when there is difficulty, there will be relief. Okay, so inshallah, if you are in a very tough situation, remember Aisha radiallahu anha was also in that situation. But it was her faith in God that redeemed her in that sense. Okay, alright, next point. Okay, so that, those were the lessons that we could learn from Aisha radiallahu anha. But I felt that there were also very um, important lessons that we could learn from those around her during the Hadithul Ifq. Okay, firstly was from her father, Abu Bakr radiallahu anha. So what happened was, uh, you know, people were spreading the news about her and Safwan and all that, right? So one of those who spread those news was actually Mista. Mista is a relative of Aisha and Abu Bakar. And Mista was someone whom Abu Bakar radiallahu anhu would give financial assistance to every month. For like, for nothing lah. Just for the fact that he was um, his relative. So every month I kasih you duit because Mista was probably not very well off to do and Abu Bakar was, was um, well off. So, so Abu Bakar was so angry with that. What did he say? He said that, you know, I was, I've been giving you all this assistance and you say these things about my daughter. It's only fair that I stop my assistance for you. So he decided to do that. Okay. So that was when there was another revelation of the verse, uh, of a Quranic verse. It says, and let not those of virtue among you and wealth swear not to give aids to their relatives and the needy and the emigrants for the cause of Allah and let them pardon and overlook. Would you not like that Allah should forgive you and Allah is most forgiving and merciful? I mean, it's human, right? I mean, when someone does something evil to us, we have this tendency, oh, you know, ambil kau, buat aku macam ni, you know, repel. You want to repel evil with evil, basically, right? That's, maybe not you, that's me lah, you know, I, I have, I always, I'm very feisty, right? So, I'm like, blast them dumb, okay? But, but I have to learn from this lesson, right? So, I mean, it's normal, okay? But for Abu Bakr, he said, I'm not even going to repel you with evil. I'm just going to stop the assistance that I've been giving you every month, right? I mean, I was not, ex when I give you this, I did not expect any good deeds. But the least you could do is to not do bad things to me and my family, right? Fair? Fair enough? 
and then this verse got revealed. Right? What's the lesson of the story? Really, if we were to give and if we were to do good things, we want to give charity, it really is not up to us to be the one deciding, is this person deserving of my charity? Is this person deserving? Really, it's none of our business. It's God's. Okay? So, and this is really the test of whether when we give, we give with sincerity, with ikhlas or otherwise. Because if we don't give with sincerity, we do hope for something in return. Right? Either we get praise or whatsoever, or at least you don't, you don't jadi anjing tercepit yang I lepaskan. You know what I mean? You know that, per- okay, just like, mm, letting, <laughs> letting a trap dog off, you know? And then it ends up biting you back. So that's the, that's the thing. So at least you don't be a dog and bite me back lah, in, in that sense, right? That's a crude way of putting it, right? So, but even that does not justify you stopping your assistance or your charity to him. Okay, so what more? I mean, so I mean, it's beautiful in the sense that I, I, it makes us realize that whatever good deeds that we do, it's really for Allah. That is the meaning for that. It's sincerely for Allah, Lillahi Taala, and and this captures that, right? So we are not in a position to even judge if someone is deserving of receiving our charity. Apalagi for us to judge, this person does not deserve God's jannah. This person does not give. Is eh, hello, brother, sister. Oh, tak ada brother. Ada, ada brother. <laughs> Jana is not even yours. How can you be the one who decide? Pemandai. Who give you the authority? No one, right? I mean, God didn't give you the authority. You don't even have authority to decide whether the money that you kerja every month, I don't know, sakit hati dengan your boss and whatever, like want to cekik him and all that, right? Even that hard-earned money, you cannot decide. What more of God's Jana? Okay? Beautiful point, right? Beautiful. Please say beautiful. Profound. Right. Okay. So, Okay. Okay. The next point. From. Okay. Zainab. Zainab binti Jah. Who is Zainab? Zainab is the co-wife of uh, Aisha radiallahu anha. Okay. One another wife of the Prophet. So like what Zainab said is Zainab Zaliana said right. She's jealous of of. Her wives. I mean, normal human being, right? Women. You think what gambar siapa? Who are you? Who's pretty woman? Are you checking out? You know, already we, we feel very jealous, right? You know? So it's just normal. Jealousy is normal, right? So uh, Zainab is one of those whom she she had issues with, lah. Issues of jealousy with, okay? So during that, that period of time, and Zainab also didn't like her, basically. I mean, you know, she they, they had some issues. So then the prophet actually asked her, ask Zainab, okay? Um, Zainab, what do you know and what have you seen about this incident? If Zainab was a mean person, she would say, hmm, tambah-tambah lah. Hmm, I, mm, I knew it. I knew it, you made the wrong choice when you married her or something like that. Right? She could have used that opportunity to say bad things about Aisha. But she did not. Right? What did she say? Oh, messenger of Allah, I would not claim to have heard or seen anything, something that I did not. And by Allah, I do not know anything but good. Aisha said she was the one among the wives of the messenger who used to compete with me. Because, you know, competition lah, jealous, jealous, right? But Allah protect her by means of her piety. Okay, so another beautiful lesson. I mean, in life, I'm sure we all have people whom we... Mm, you know what I mean? Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> You know, I know lah. You know what I mean? So, whatever it is, do not use their moments of weakness 
you know, do not jump on the opportunity to do them in, to throw them under pass, right? When it, when you have the opportunity to do so, you don't let him. Okay, keep it between yourself. I mean, to yourself and all that. But don't, 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 mm. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't harm them in any way. Okay, don't use the opportunity presented before you by Shaitan <laughs> to do something bad to that person. Okay? So, and she's also being very honest, right? Despite the fact that she was jealous, she told the truth because she has never seen anything but good from Aisha in a sense for, uh, in this particular incident. So, she told the truth. So, how difficult must it have been for Aizainab? But she chose to speak the truth and she chose to not hashtag onioning, right? Like you were saying, right? Oh, just now you laugh at her. Now I say, Anjani, you don't laugh for the bottle. So mean, you know. I was like, I'm going to use that joke. But anyway, so she didn't choose to to talk bad about Aisha. Right? She, 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 basically her conscience was also clear. Okay, remember? She chose to tell the truth. She would not spread lies, even if it means it would be able to put her in a superior position. Okay, so this is the message that we need to be mindful of. Okay, number three, from the Munafikin and those who join them. So we know that this incident is basically caused by people who were the Munafik, right? And they were and they were um, punished severely after that. They were lashed for their when they when it was found out that it was a, a fitna, right? But besides them, the main uh, antagonist eh, in this picture, <laughs> okay, there were also people who the minions, yang macam, eh, I heard about this story. Apa? Bawang kecil. Galik ke? <laughs> they, they, they heard about the stories. So, they macam, oh, it's just about like... Bawang merah. Okay, bawang okay lah. Boleh lah. You all bawang bumbi tak ada. So, you know, they were all like spreading these things. Padahal, they, they also did not have the intent. They were not the the fabricators of the story. You know what I mean? They, were, they, were, they did not create the fitnah, but they merely passed it on. You know what I mean? So, listen of the story. You know how it's very convenient for us to like take our phone, right? And they're like, right? So, that is exactly your golongan if you do that. <laughs> Bawang meras. Garlics, wong kecil. That's us, basically. If we do that, right? Even if we don't have the intention, or we, if we are not the ones who fabricate the story, we are in that level. Many of them were like that, and we know. You see the the impact. That's why Allah says that fitna is worse than killing, because of the consequences of you spreading such lies. It can have on people. So kita tak tahu. We 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 have no idea, right? Alah, ingat kan apa spreading? I mean, it's already spreading things like that. But you are contrib contributing to that. You know, if she was someone who did not have iman or whatever, she could have killed herself. She cried for two days, two and a half days straight. Imagine the kind of pressure that she had at that point of time. Okay, so please don't be the cause of someone's death, <laughs> you know, or be the cause of someone's depression or whatever. Okay? All right. So, on the point of Zainab, sorry, I just wanted to share this. An-Nawawi said that, her words, I would not claim to have heard or seen something that I, I did not mean that I protect my hearing and my sight from saying I heard when I did not hear or I saw when I did not see. You know, it's common, right? Hey, did you see her? I don't, but maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe I saw her at another place. 
You know what I mean? Like, macam, you know, like, I just want to be part of this gossip lah. So, you know, even though I did not see the actual incident, I will give you supporting evidences. You know that kind of thing? I cannot be the main actress. Kelly Fair pun okay. You know what I mean? So, that's, that's the idea. So, why say If you do not see, just do not see. Okay? If you have to give testimony, then you have to tell the truth. Even if it means you, you know, it will be problematic for that person. But, kalau tak, please don't be bawangs. Okay? Alright. Okay, jealousy. I think, um, it's very common, right? In fact, I, I'm going to list down all the times when she was jealous or like most of the times when she was jealous, okay? Number one, jealousy towards Khadija. I think just now you saw Ustazah um, Aliana showing. She called Khadija old Quraysh woman. Oh, right. You know, why? Why are you so, like, why do you, why are you so in love, still so in love with the old Quraysh woman? Didn't God replace you with someone better? I eat her lah. You know what I mean? Naughty. She was naughty. You know, and we have to accept that she was naughty. But the prophet retaliated, of course. She said, no. He said, no. He did not replace her with anyone better. She was there. She stood for me when I was in need, when I was, you know. So he listed down the qualities of Khadija. Okay? So that was her jealousy with Khadija. Number two, she was jealous towards Zainab. Right? So the Zainab was the one that Sazaliana was saying pasal um, honey. Right? So the prophet likes to eat uh, honey. Uh, from the house of Zainab. So she said, I didn't like it. I, I, I was jealous because of the fact that the Prophet liked something so much from the house of another wife. So I plotted with Hafsa. Hafsa. Okay, so uh, the, uh, another co-wife. Kata, okay. Um, let's pretend, right? Whenever he comes, that we say, oh, smelly. Uh, your mouth is smelly. Because we know you already eat from, you know, yeah. So they wanted to the Prophet to attribute the cause of the smell from that honey. So they did that. And the Prophet actually believed them and he then made an oath. He swore to not eat it again because he wanted to avoid that. Which was why there was a revelation by God asking, Oh Prophet, why do you forbid yourself that which Allah has made lawful? Okay? And then he called for Aisha and, 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 and uh, Hafsa to repent from their, from their dosa. Okay? For, for doing that. Okay? But it was also interesting how Aisha was also the one despite her jealousy, when she, she, would, she was also the one who spoke good about Zainab. Right? She said that of all the wives, so the prophet Zainab was the one who, had the, um, who was the most generous. Okay? She was the one who like, umul masakin, she's the mother of the poor, basically, because of her generosity and all that. So she was the one who actually shared this, this beautiful fact about Zainab as well. Okay? Jealousy towards Juwairiya. Which one was it? Huh? I forgot. Joeria, right? Sophia first. Okay, Sophia. So Sophia, she, naughty girl also. She said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, have you noticed how short Sophia is? <laughs> she said that. You know? And what did the Prophet say? She said, You have said a word so bad that if it were mixed into the sea, it would pollute the entire sea. Hmm. Remember? Oh, ada orang lah ni selalu kena cakap pendek-pendek eh. <laughs> right, I mean, I mean in a in a joking manner, I mean, I leave it to you all lah. Okay, settle amongst yourself lah. But basically, I mean, it goes to show, I mean, saying someone is short can be something that is so, I mean, this, I mean, this is a reminder for me first and foremost lah, okay. A lot of us, we know we have said 
worse things about other people than this. And the prophet said, that is a word. If you throw it inside the vast ocean, it will pollute the entire sea. So, it shows that Aisha had her moments of jealousy, definitely. But she always had the prophet to correct her. Okay? Jealousy towards Sauda. Right? Sauda was another incident that... Um, she was, they were at home and then she told Sauda to eat something. And then Sauda don't want. She said, if you don't want, I'm going to like smear your face with like some tepung or that food lah, basically. And Sauda really didn't want. So she smeared. Then the prophet said, you take that, you smear balik her face. <laughs> you know? So and then they are like, ha ha smear, 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 you know, each other's face. You know what I mean? So what I'm trying to say is there were moments of vulnerabilities or mistakes by Aisha but what is most interesting on in all these stories right you it was Aisha herself who related the stories though so it was Aisha herself who told everyone that these embarrassing things about her happened so what does it mean it means that she was well aware that whatever she did you know you go and expose to people I caught someone you know old Quraysh woman you know I caught someone short and all that so she wasn't embarrassed about sharing the mistake because she wanted everyone to know and to learn from her mistakes. Okay, and it was, and it's a clear inclination, that she, uh, indication that she was regretful over what happened. Okay, so she was jealous, yes, but she regretted, she repented, and she wanted everyone to learn that that was wrong. Okay, and she wanted to share the lessons that she learned directly from the Prophet Wasallam himself with other people. Okay, there was also another incident that um, she was at uh, her house and then the Prophet was receiving guests. So one of the other wives sent makanan, food, to that house. So what she did was she was unhappy because it was her turn in that house, right? So why did the, the wife send food? So she took the plate and um, campak. So the plate, the plate broke, right? And the Prophet wasn't angry. He, said, he just said that your mother is angry. You know, and and told Aisha to replace that. So, in other, in uh, from the other side of it, the prophet himself also demonstrated kind understanding and compassion. He knew that you know Aisha was not in an easy situation, and he he was not like much of you derhaka woman. You know what I mean? You don't my feet no. You know, like Janna on my feet. You know, like, he he didn't do he didn't he didn't use such authority and abuse such you know uh, authority that he had over his wives by blackmailing them emotionally blackmailing them he understood that he he gave them room to realize their mistake and told that okay you know you need to repent and then you need to just address this issue later on but he didn't make a big fuss out of it okay because he he was he was that person he was a compassionate husband who who understood the complexity the, the emotional ups and downs that their wives had to deal with and he was understanding about it. Okay? So if someone, like your husband or someone, tells you that, eh, hey, Nabi tak cakap gitu. You nak cakap gitu. You lebih, mm, okay, tak, 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 tak cakap. Okay? Okay, tak. Okay. Alright, her five stainers. Okay. Kau apa? Lima minutes. Okay. Uh, the, okay. Aisha radiallahu anha, she's very feisty, right? If you can see, she's very macam spunky lah, kan? Macam, mm, macam, macam very, macam gitu. Okay, you understand when I explain further lah. So, 
the there was this incident uh, with the Jew, this bad Jew, right? He he said uh, asam alaikum to the prophet. What is asam? Asam means poison, poison upon you. Okay, so you all are careful, you don't wish poison for other people, okay? So that's what the, the, the Jew said. So she was very angry, right? So she said, um, and poison be upon you and the curse of Allah. She stood up for her husband, right? Oh, no, no, curse my husband, I curse you back. You know what I mean? So the Prophet said, easy Aisha, Allah loves compassion in everything. And she said, did you not hear what they said? The messenger of Allah replied, I already said, and upon you. So because the prophet said wa alaikum, right? So there's no need. What, what the? So you see, she's very feisty, and in many instances, it's not unjustified. But the prophet was always there to kind of pull her back, right, and to advise her. So she had that personal nurturing by the prophet, but never the prophet actually said you need to be um, a docile person who cannot demonstrate any feistiness on her. Never. He didn't. He never said that. He encouraged her when it was needed but whenever she went overboard, he would turn her down for a bit. Okay? And then, compassion for the camel. She was, <laughs> she was naughty lah, this girl. Okay? I was on a camel that was somewhat intractable and I began to beat it. Because, what is this? You know, that kind of thing. And the prophet said, you must be compassionate. Okay? What, whenever there is compassion in something, it adorns it. And whenever it is removed from something, it disgraces it. Okay, so the Prophet taught her a lot about, okay, you're feisty, which is good in some areas, but you need to understand the value of compassion. Okay, you can be feisty, but be a compassionate, feisty person. Okay, for all you feisty ladies out there, I hear you, I feel you, do it with compassion. Okay, alright. The other one, she challenged that to challenge norms that do not make sense to her. Like what Sazaliana said, she was the one who, when a girl complained to her that her father forced her into a marriage, she said, no, cannot. I will bring you to the Prophet. And she did. And because of her, the Prophet said, no one can force someone into a marriage, which was actually a common practice at that point of time. But she knew that it was not right. And she wanted the Prophet ﷺ himself to address it so it becomes authoritative and people would know. Okay? And then, Istidraqat Aisha ala sahaba. Okay, basically, this is like a compilation of, um, there's this um, book that compiled of, compiled hadith of her, or, no, no, not hadith, her, her responses on hadith quoted by other companions. So she was actually someone who was very critical of the knowledge that she received, even if it were to come from the Sahaba, and especially if they attributed it to the Prophet For example, Abu Hurairah, he narrated a hadith that says that three things would nullify the prayers of a person, a black dog, a donkey, and women. Okay, if they were to pass in front of someone praying. Right, so how was she critical about it? She asked, why black dog? Why not brown dog? Bidi <laughs> lah. That was her question. She asked, are you saying that women are equal to dogs? You are putting us on the same le level as dogs and donkey? That was her question. She was very critical about it. Because she said, the Prophet ﷺ was praying and I would lie between him and the Qibla. You know, and it did not nullify his prayers. Okay? So I mean, this is, this is, um, this is, both hadiths are sahih. 
recorded as Sahih in Bukhari. Uh, the, the, the discussions on it, maybe you can ask the boss of Adil because he's the hadith expert. But basically what I want to highlight to you is she's someone who is very critical in receiving knowledge. She would not just accept it as it is. And I think this is something that we need to learn from. You cannot just let Ustaz saya cakap, cannot. We must be critical. Especially if you know that it does not, it is not in line with the values that Islam has taught us. Okay? The other one, the traveling woman. Okay, There was another sahaba who says that who narrated the hadith that a woman must not travel without her mahram. So she responded. She said, do all women have mahram? You know, I mean, she, you can, you know, it, I don't think it was her trying to be rude. Like, hey, mahram <laughs> not, not that kind, but she was, she was asking, you know, in a, a rhetorical question, but she also wanted the person who narrated the hadith and the people around who heard that to think about it. What about people who do not have mahram? So, there is a need to question this thing. Because we all know narrations can be, you know, there are rooms for, you know, terlupa ke apa ke, like in, in, in this case. Abu Hurairah narrated this hadith. Bad omens are to be found in a woman, a house, and a horse. Three things. So she said, when she heard that, she said, bless Abu Hurairah, but this is a case where he narrated only a part of the hadith because she said it was it, it happened such that the Prophet was actually preaching, right? Teaching. And he was saying back in the Jahiliya, people took these three things to be bad omens. You know, but Abu Hurairah masuk, part yang, three bad omens. You know what I mean? So he did not hear about the, in the period of Jahiliya. So he wasn't, he wasn't lying. Okay, but he thought that was it. But actually he did not hear the full story. Okay, so Aisha was there, so she, she wanted to clarify and she told the full story. Okay, so that's why another important lesson is not only, I really heard from the Rosai, dengar, dengar, mata kepala saya sendiri. No, but you might not have heard the whole thing. So always clarify. That's why there's a lot of, many layers of, you know, clarifications and, and verifications that we will need to do before we spread something. Okay? So these are these are examples of I would say how the 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 um Aisha was very uh, critical uh, when when receiving. Uh, just want to share more if you don't mind. So Ibn Omar he said that a person will be punished for his or her family's lamenting or wailing over his or her death. I don't know if you've heard this, but I, I used to hear this a lot. That means if someone were to pass away, our family member were to pass away, and we were like. Oh, Right, we lament and all that. Then jenazah tu akan disiksa. I don't know if you've heard of that. Jangan nangis, jangan merau. Nanti jenazah kena siksa and all that. So it came from a hadith, right? But what did the Aisha said? No, it does not make sense because God says that no soul shall be burdened. No, I mean, no soul shall bear the burden of the other. That means if you nangis, why I pula yang kena siksa? You know what I mean? So you say, it doesn't make sense. You, you know what I mean? So you say, I mean, yes, lamenting and wailing out loud for, over someone's death is not right. But you can, you, it's not that mayat tu yang dah, dah meninggal dah. You know, dia punya amalan dah tutup dah lah. You nak kasih lagi dosa kat dia buat apa. You know what I mean? So it's actually that person's sin lah, not the mayat. That's what she was saying. Okay? Alright. Okay. Ada lagi time? You remember? Five minutes. Okay. Just nice. Because I don't want to talk about this too long. <laughs> 
Battle of Camel. Okay, I've, uh, I don't know about uh, whether you've heard of this, but basically, the Battle of Camel is um, happened during the uh, time of Khalifa Ali, when Ali radiallahu anhu was the caliph, right? So there were a lot of political upheavals during that time. Right, namely because caused by the death of Uthman, right? So it was said, uh, Uthman radiallahu anhu was murdered, right? So he was murdered, but when Ali took over, he did not, he did not, uh, what? what's wrong? Anyone? Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> he did not, he did not quick, uh, immediately punish or brought to justice those who murdered uh, Uthman. Right, so that caused a lot of um, talks, lah. You know what I mean? The bawangs, they, they they were punished, but after that, there were more bawangs. You see, so they went on to talk about it. So they was they started to you know have all these questions. So Aisha heard all these things. So what she did was yes, she left to see Ali radiallahu anhu, and she brought with her her troops. Okay, but it was stated in in in. in several accounts of the history, he said that the reason why she brought out the troops to meet Ali was not to confront him and to wage a war against him, but it's about to ask him to consider to, to quickly address this issue, to talk to him and to clarify because there were so many, because he's in, he was in somewhere, but she was from Makkah, right? So they were, you know, she was in Madinah. Eh? Okay, I forgot the story. But basically, they were in different cities. So there was already a lot of chaos in, in that particular city. So she wanted to go out and address it. So she brought troops with her. But people within those two troops, when they, they met, okay, when they, was, they, they, they stopped at a certain point, they started to launch the attack without Aisha or Ali calling for the war. So they pandai-pandai because they wanted to create chaos. So that was why a lot of the Sahaba... Uh, including those who followed Aisha, they were killed in the war. Okay? Because of the bawangness of... You know, this is not level bawang, this is petai level, you know, like very bad, you know, they actually launched the war without, you know, all these things. So, what I'm saying is, this particular incident, it was portrayed, it was sometimes it was portrayed by, by certain, you know, historical accounts that it was Aisha who led a rebellion because she wanted power for her nephew. She wanted her nephew to be the Khalifa and all that. But it, that wasn't true. Okay, she wanted to clarify and she got her clarification. Ali actually explained to her that the reason why he did not quickly uh, address the issue was because it was very chaotic and he knew that the, those who murdered uh, Uthman had a large following. A tribe of people who said that if you want to kill, uh, if you want to uh, punish or to execute those who killed Uthman, you would have to kill the entire tribe. So, I mean, what would have, what would that have caused? Like a lot of chaos, right? I mean, you are wiping out an entire tribe. So he wanted to take time. I mean, he wanted to wait until situations were better, and then he would make that call. So basically, there were there was some misunderstanding, and she wanted to address it because she saw her position as an influential person, right? And she wanted to talk to Ali, right? But of course, you know, there were people who decided to. Again, right? Jump in and all the bawah miras, they started jumping in and say, oh, it's because Ali told the Prophet to divorce uh, Aisha during the hadith. If that's why she wasn't happy, she wanted to exact revenge on Ali and all that. So these are stories that are that are unfortunate. You know, when, when they are told in a manner to discredit or to break down people. And to even cakap Aisha kafir, for example. 
Okay, I mean, there are always multiple versions of historical accounts. We all know that, right? Even Raffles. Yeah, you know Raffles, right? Raffles also had like different, you know, stories about him. But it is really unfortunate when such differences lead to people apostatizing others. And you know, discredit people, you know, discredit an entire whatever, you know. So that is something that we should be very, very mindful of. Okay? Dah. You may last. Aisha, was she perfect? I already answered it during in the first part of that. You know, and we I think the 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 the, the point of this talk is really to not hide some of these things that did happen in history. Okay, but what we want to tell you that it's really a reflection that she was not perfect, but that is why she's also very relatable to us. She was the wife of the prophet, but she was not perfect. And in that sense, we can all aspire to be like her, right? We aspire to learn from the good things, from the lessons um, in her life. And inshallah, we can do so, okay? And with that, I abruptly end my speech because my time is up. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Alhamdulillah, that was Ustazah Norhana Irwan talking about how Sayyidatina Aisyah radiallahu anha overcame difficult moments in her life. So, tune in to the next episode of Learn Islam Podcast. Take care and much bless. Assalamualaikum.